sometimes the world's turning, sometimes it's burning. Which is it today? Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principled Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaelis. Well, to quote the song you're quoting, (laughs) (laughs) the world's been burning since the The world's world's been been turning. turning. That's right. That's exactly, you got it. You understood where I was going to. And, Chuck, I mean, yes, but today as we record this on Wednesday, if you look outside, it doesn't look like the world's going to burn much with that coating of snow oh my that gosh, we got this yeah, morning. Not, no, 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 it's not burning and at I, all. And I know by the time people hear this, it'll be like 70 degrees in summertime out there again. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the thing. Yeah, the old saying around the weather in Ohio is, if you don't like the weather in Ohio, wait five minutes, it'll change. That's the same thing it is with if you don't like what's going on in the world around you, wait five minutes, somebody will reinterpret it. Well, (laughs) okay, reference back to last week's show. Yes, indeed. We talked about uh, critical theory and uh, wokeism and uh, uh, the, the biblical worldview filters. Folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're going to we're going to go back and reference that show cuz you need to go back. I think that was one of our more important programs that we yeah. did. Well, there's been a, an interesting development since that show aired, Chuck. Um and that is that earlier this week, a individual um who has first-hand knowledge, I will say that, um filed a lawsuit against the Ohio State Board of Education basically for not allowing the public to testify in an open meeting. Now, guess what? It was, guess what subject it was about? Oh, let's see. Uh, you just said it. CRT. CRT. Critical race theory. All right. Because the Ohio State Board of Education, at least the majority of the appointed members of that board, have pushed an agenda to expand and promote critical race theory being taught in most of the government schools in Ohio. There are a number, the large majority of those who are directly elected uh, board members, because in Ohio we have this hybrid state board of education. Right. Most people don't even know we have a state board of education, much less know what it, how it consists, but it has 18 members. 11 of them are elected. Chuck, how many people do we have in Ohio? Uh, 11 million. Right. So how many people do each one yeah, of these elected right. members represent? One million A people. million people, which is more than a House member, which is more than a Senate member. It's actually even more than a congressman represents. And by the way, I graduated from Ohio, Ohio Public Schools, so it shows. And you were I able to figure that out. I actually did hear math <laughs> and, and learned math. You were able to yes. figure that out. No, I'm not saying you can't do math, but I'm saying that now you have to do math uh, with a bias. Um, oh, oh, yeah. and, and the state board is trying to push this agenda to to shove uh, the 1619 project and critical race theory into all the public schools in Ohio. Well, a number of the elected members of the board, there are 11, like I said, there are 11 elected members and seven appointed members. But there's not always 11 elected and seven appointed because any time an elected member leaves, steps down, or passes away, and we've had that situation happen in the past few years, in the middle of a term, then the governor gets to appoint a replacement. So in other words, technically, effectively, 
we oftentimes have more appointed members than elected members. Sure, makes sense. Because they're four-year terms, and let's say you go in, let's say you, let's say you get elected to your state board district here, and you go in, and for some reason your work decides that you need to you need to be operating out of Florida, and you have to leave. Well, you can't serve on the Ohio State Board of Education if you're not an Ohio resident anymore, so you would have to vacate the seat. But then the governor gets to a point, let's say you were only in there for three months of a four-year term. That means for three years and nine months of that term, somebody's being appointed who's not directly responsible to the elect the, the uh, voters in that district. So that's what we have oftentimes on the board is more appointees than elected members. Sure. And that's kind of where we are right now. And so they're discussing this. So here recently, in the last few weeks, there was a there was a state board meeting where uh, during like on Tuesdays, they open it up and allow public comment. People can come in and you can address the board on various issues. Well, a conservative leader, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Empower You Ohio, which is basically like a uh, kind of an extracurricular kind of college thing where they basically talk about like conservative issues. I may have run into it. Yeah, it's, it's based out of Cincinnati, and the guy who runs it is a guy by the name of Dan Reganold. Um, great guy. I know him. Well, he went to address the board on the issues with CRT in the 1619 Project and how dangerous it is uh, to, honestly, our American way of life to basically try to undermine and undercut the foundations of, 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 our, of our... It's, it's critical race theory yeah. run amok. Basically, that uh, all America's troubles started in 1619. And all, and all white people are guilty of being racist and, and all yeah. and, and all and all people of, who are not of color are somehow complicit in hate crimes. Right. So. And, and uh, forgetting the fact that the first boat of slaves that showed up uh, uh, f- with the Dutch yes, trying, trying to sell them in New England were white Irish. Yeah, that's right. They were white Irishmen. The white Irishmen, and they were turned away. Yeah. Um, the uh, Puritans wanted nothing to do with uh, with chattel slavery. Yeah, a- absolutely not. And but you're right, though. White Irishmen were the first was were the first slaves that came over. That's right. It was it wasn't black Africans. It was white Irishmen. But anyhow, so so Reginald went to address the board, and as he began to began his talk, which he had submitted to the board, one of the board members who was an appointee who then ran for the seat, who filled the seat and then ran for it, basically shut off him from talking by saying it violated her safe space to have him give his presentation. I'm sorry, but you're an ele- you are a member of a public body, and it is an open public meeting. You can't just shut somebody off. No, like that's that. right. That's a violation of the uh, Public open. open Meetings Act. Yeah, a pub- public access and now, open meetings. If he'd been up there... Uh, shaking a a noose and uh, had a loaded pistol. That's a different story, right? But he was just giving a, presentation, giving a on, presentation on the on the yeah. on the issues. This board member decided that in order to keep him from talking, she would basically throw up a an emotionalistic plea of how it made her feel unsafe to have him stand there and say something. Chuck, if you allow that to happen, then there's no there's no subject. And no topic and no individual who's, who, who is going to be free from being interfered with by people with an agenda who don't want to hear it. That's the part of having a, a, a if you want to call this a democracy or what we call a republic, that's a big part of the republic is everybody has the First Amendment right to free speech. 
even in a government forum. That's right. Well, Barry, we've run into this before. I'm offended at your statement that blah 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 blah. How many times have you run into that? And I've always con- countered that with, "Well, I'm offended by your offense." Well, so, see, I never. I counter it with the, "Well, then I must have said it right." <laughs> yeah, I, I always <laughs> say I'm offended by your offense. So we're we're back to equal. Yeah, we, we both are equally offended. So therefore, let's right. start all over again. But you can't do that anymore. No, you can't. So what you have to do is what Dan Reganall did was he had uh, Attorney Kurt Hartman down in Cincinnati file a lawsuit against the State Board of Education for denying him his First Amendment rights. Which is correct. He, now, he, he did, should prevail. Did you see anything in the media about that this oh, week? Oh, absolutely not. They filed it on Monday. It's now, we're middle of Wednesday. Have you seen anything on it anywhere in the media? Zero, and you won't. And you won't either because it doesn't fit the the narrative that they're trying to build. Which, as we've seen with what else has been going on recently, and this, is, this isn't directly a tie-in, but everybody from Joe Biden to Maxine Waters to AOC to all of the liberals are now pushing this theme that somehow we have the that we can't have any justice in society until we a get rid of the police and b get rid of prisons. Now as a matter of fact we just had a, a there is a, a bill that just got introduced in the state legislature to basically as as they phrased it ban involuntary servitude <laughs> uh, now get the involuntary servitude of those who have committed a crime. What are we saying? No prison. No prison. No no jail, no prison. No jails, no prisons. Yeah. Uh guys, that's that's where this is all heading to. It, we're basically moving into a, a, a we're moving into a position here, Chuck, where we're almost getting to the point of mob rule. We just saw it this week. Now, wherever you sit as the listeners, and I know where you sit, and you know where I sit on this, yeah. but wherever the listeners sit on this, it really doesn't matter. We had the result of the trial up in Minneapolis with the uh, the police officer, Derek Chauvin, who, uh, you know, during the during the midst of an arrest of a, of George, of a of suspect, George Floyd, uh, Mr. Floyd ended up dying. It depends on who you listen to. Yep. Whether or not the cop strangled him by kneeling on his neck for nine minutes or he died because as they were getting ready to come up to question him he had just supposedly had just bought like a large quantity of of illegal drugs fentanyl and took them before they got to him and with his physical condition already to start with in other words he had a heart issue it was enough to kill him you because you had the defense bringing in forensic evidence. You had the prosecution trying to block it from happening and trying to bring in exculpatory evidence that they never brought forward during the discovery phase of the trial. Yeah. All of a sudden, they supposedly discovered this new evidence that they wanted to bring in at the last minute, which is actually against the rules of evidence, so they couldn't do sure. it. Sure, At least the judge was smart enough to do that. The appeals are going to be interesting. But but then you also had a situation where it's been reported that like in the, the couple of days leading up to the jury coming back from their deliberations, that uh, certain activists uh, picketed the defense attorney's home and defaced it by throwing pig parts and blood on his home, kind of sending a message to what they might do to jurors. Now, and you also had the Star Tribune in Minneapolis publishing profiles of the jurors 
Oh, gosh. You uh, didn't hear about this. I missed that. Oh, yeah. That came out this morning. The, the Red Star Tribune. The Red Star Tribune was publishing yeah. profile. Now, again, they don't give names, but they give enough information. Like, oh, juror number two is a white male in his 20s who's a chemist. You should be able to figure out. Everybody who works with him knows who no, he is. Knows who it is at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you had that come out right before they came in. Now, Chuck, I, I'm, I am not naive okay um that jury was tampered with oh absolutely that jury was tampered with both by the newspaper and the media by maxine waters who made the intemperate comments in congress about being confrontational if they didn't come up with the right the right answer right. and that tied in with what the activists did to the defense attorney's home that's the kind of confrontational they're talking about if you were sitting on that jury where would you go to well, I know. Uh, well, I know you've sat on. You've been a jury foreman yeah. before, so I know you're not. You're not immune to the ideas of the pressures that right. can be put on, even from fellow jurors. About oh, well, we need to get this done. Listen, or, we we did apply pressure to one of the jurors because, in the face of the evidence, the clear evidence, he was like, "Yeah, I don't like this charge," and I go, "I don't particularly care for it either." But it was made and it was proven. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's the way it works. I mean, but you yeah. know, you, and you know the idea of of juror nullification, where a juror can actually you rule on both the evidence and the law that's being applied that's at right. the same time. Even though they tell you, uh, our uh, judge said, "Well, you don't get to rule on uh, the law," and I laughed and, and internally and said, <laughs> "Oh yes, I do." Oh yes, you do. That's that is the role of a juror. But so you had these jurors on on the Derek Chauvin trial who basically were tampered with. Absolutely. Both internally with. and externally. And so what did they come back with, Chuck? What was the final? Basically, they found him guilty <laughs> on all counts, but all those counts were three different types of charges for the same for the thing. same crime, yeah. Second-degree mur uh, second murder, right. third-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter. Manslaughter, yeah. Those, okay, this was this was a pick one situation. It was yeah, you you basically Which one which yeah. one do you find him guilty of? Um and instead they found him guilty on all three, assuming I'm thinking that they would give an appeals court a place that well, this was this is wrong, the evidence was bad, evidence was bad here, but we'll keep this one. Well, that very well could be because I, that's, that was the thought that occurred to me when I heard it ruling roll out was, oh, the jury played a, a card to say, look, we did it. We came down as hard as we could come down, but also to give room so that if, uh, Chauvin's defense attorney wants to appeal it up to a higher court, they actually have grounds to appeal it because, right. I, I mean, double jeopardy. Chuck has to apply. Well, double jeopardy, it, does, I mean, it can't. It can't apply. It yeah. can't, actually. Oh, okay. It has to be two separate trials. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, um, so, but the but the point is, you can't like charge some. You can't find somebody guilty on second degree and third degree murder for one for one killing and third and second degree manslaughter and second, all at the same time. Because I, depending on the state you live in, and I'm not yeah. an attorney, second degree murder is essentially uh, where you kill somebody in the heat of passion. You're in a fight. Mm -hmm. Things get rough. You smack him, he hits his head on the back of the bar on a corner and dies. Yeah. Second-degree murder because you were in the middle of a violent act, blah, 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 blah. Okay, third-degree murder is if you uh, are angry 
and accidentally back your car up without looking yeah and run somebody over negligently well that actually wouldn't even rise to the level of murder that negligence would rise to the level of manslaughter no, there, there's malice because you're you are in a in an emotional state possibly so yeah possibly it's a third degree murder is a weird one it, it's a it's a it's a it's an iffy one and of course we're also dealing with minnesota statute law exactly as well, we don't know what the which law is maybe completely the, the uh, twisted, uh so. manslaughter is normally uh truly an accidental a uh, negligent accidental homicide where right. you're you're in the you're in the uh, act of doing something that you would m- maybe normally do and the person dies and you could have stopped it right that's a manslaughter which, which if, if based on those definitions it appears and, and again we don't have privy to every piece of evidence that was that was put forth at the trial but it appears that the fact pattern would lean toward toward the manslaughter charge yeah now should Chauvin be charged with something? Sure, he should. Because I think so too. Because I do believe that he probably abused his authority as a police officer. He he didn't use proper restraint and judgment in, yeah. in dealing with the situation. There might have been some extenuating circumstances because there was something that came out like during last fall somewhere that these two intersected before in their private lives, like off duty he was working off duty security at a club or something and but i don't know where i don't know where that came from and i don't know where it went to when you've got other cops telling you you probably ought to back off on the then you should listen on the use of force the rookie uh said "Mm, there's something okay you need to really stop and one of the one of the other guys who was on site said yeah you're probably overdoing it and i i I'm told, I've read, that he stopped EMTs from giving first aid. I've heard that as well. I don't know whether that uh, particular allegation was ever proven. That goes to manslaughter if it's true. Yeah, that goes to the manslaughter. Again, most everything it seems like in the fact pattern that we know about, for sure, goes to manslaughter. Now... There are certain other things that that basically, I mean, we have to rely on media reports, and we all know how accurate media reports are and unbiased media reports are. Are you kidding? (laughs) As as we've seen with the lead up to when January, when he had the uh, disturbances at the Capitol, did you see that the same day that the Chauvin uh, um, verdict was coming out, the New York Times decided to to present a uh, mea culpa retraction? Yeah. That, oh, the Capitol Police officer didn't get hit over the head with a fire extinguisher and murdered. He died of natural causes. He, he, had, a, he had a heart attack. He had two strokes. He had two strokes. Yeah, okay. We'll see how it was strokes. Uh, and there was another mea culpa they did. Yeah. Uh, oh, it happened to do with the uh, the Russia bounty yes. paid for American uh, American soldiers. Uh, they had to retract on that as well. And you notice they did that retraction on the day they knew everybody was being paying attention to something else entirely. Well, it's always on page, uh, you know, section D, page eighty-three. You know, it, yeah. it, uh, in, in that although mi- the, in that micro pika font. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although the New York Times doesn't have a section D, page eighty-three anymore. It might be pay- <laughs> if they even have a section D anymore. 
they're uh, lucky to have a section A. That's exactly so. right. It's like it's sort of like the local newspaper here. It's a joke. People say, "I don't want Cincinnati news. I want Newark news." Well, there's no Newark news staff anymore. There's right. there's a couple of independent stringers. When they hear something on the scanner, they'll go out there and and try to make something out. Try of it, to yeah. make something out of it. And you read their stories, and it's sort of like, "My gosh, folks! I took journalism in high school, and I learned more than apparently you learned." Uh. Before you started writing this, I mean, you answer the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, mm-hmm. um, in that order. And uh, the fact is, you're not doing it. In yes. fact, you're just simply injecting, uh, this is what I saw, this is what I was told to see. I, we, look, uh, we have here uh, for our cable television, Spectrum, which has its own news channel, Spectrum uh-huh. 1. And uh, um, I get on there and I'm watching... These things about uh, parlor, according to the newscaster that I saw, and this is why I don't watch Spectrum One News. Uh, according to the newscaster, parlor was removed from the Apple Store app because organization uh, meetings were taking place on parlor, uh, and information was being passed to for the insurrection on January sixth. Uh huh. Yeah. And I said, okay. Major problem. You're okay with people using Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to plan riots in Seattle and Chicago, uh, and Los yeah, Angeles absolutely. and Portland, name it, name it, name it. You're okay with that. But it's not okay to plan a protest, not an insurrection, folks. No one at the Capitol on January 6th was armed except the cops, and the only person that was killed was a woman, some poor woman, who was shot in the back by a cop whose name we still don't know. Right. Still being still being hidden. Still being hidden. So the fact is that uh, that was nothing more or less than an exercise in propaganda. Oh, absolutely. This is why people are so angry. We can see it. It's right in our face. Uh... Conservatives are not allowed to organize, but uh, radical liberals are. Uh, that because that's for freedom. You guys, you you are all fascists. Uh, thus, not in the slightest understanding what a fascist is. Um, yeah. fa- fascism being a uh, an economic system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, um, that being said, we can't get into that. Um, we've done it before. Dig around. Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll, yeah, we've talked go, about go it. Listen, go listen to some of our uh, archives. Someday, maybe. Yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, but you know what? The whole thing is, is that, okay, so all that came out. And like I said, the New York Times tried to bury something that was um, was exculpatory to their theme uh, narrative that they were trying to put forward on that. So they buried it when something else bigger was happening. Yes. Now, another thing has happened, Chuck, around, the, and this all happened yesterday as well, or excuse me, yeah, yeah, yesterday, today's Wednesday, it's yesterday, I am losing track of the week, it's, I've been meeting myself coming and going this Dude, week. Dude, it's so. Wednesday already, it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, and it'll be Saturday when people hear this, but, uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but one of the other things that happened, and according, again, according to media reports, which you have to always take with a grain of salt now, this, I believe this incident happened just before the release of the jury's decision on the Chauvin trial, but then you read some media reports that it happened just after it ha- this happened. 
And it happened, well, right here in our backyard. Yep. Columbus, Ohio, folks. Yesterday afternoon, we had a officer-involved uh, shooting. No, it wasn't a situation where they were necessarily arresting someone and did you know had had them restrained, etc. They had a report of a disturbance. The officers pulled up to see a young woman attacking another, you know, at least one, if not two more, young women with a knife in her hand. Now. When the officers supposedly and and there are you can go on almost any media outlet right now, right, and you can see something that you don't normally see, and that is the actual body cam footage from the officers, because the Columbus Division of Police and the mayor decided it was probably the smartest move to immediately release the body cam footage raw, and just say, hey, here's what happened. I applaud them for that. Exactly. Because, frank, it been frankly, done. it should be done in almost every instance. Because what ends up happening is, you know, when you have an officer involved shooting, all of a sudden the police are, like, pulling back in and, oh, we got to review the body cam footage before. And then everybody has a big question mark as to whether or not that's raw footage, yep. if it's been tampered with, if it's been edited, etc., in order to cast it in a different light. If you do it where you just basically put it out there raw, then you get the chance to actually take a look at what happened. And what happened is, as the officers come up, this lady, who they have no idea, but it's turned out she's a 16-year-old girl. Initial report said 15, but we're finding out now she was 16. Um, had a large knife in her hand. I mean, it's not a small thing. You can see it clearly in, yeah. the, in the camera footage. The blade's, at I least don't know, six, four, four six, or five, six inches long. That's about long. a six-inch blade. Yeah. It, it was like a kit. It's like a butcher knife. It's a folks. butcher knife. It's a butcher's knife. After now looking at it, I think you're right. That's a six inch blade. That's a six inch blade plus handle, because uh, it's about laying on the ground. It's about nine inches long. Um, so she is act in the act of brandishing it and or mo- swinging it toward another young girl, who is of indeterminate age because it's not been reported who these girls are. Um, the officers come up and you know direct her to. Cease, drop her weapon. She keeps attacking the girl. The officer fires and puts her down and kills her. Yeah. Okay. So what happens immediately? Well, within at least within 20 minutes to a half an hour, that whole area is flooded with people protesting the cops. Of course. For horrible because, you know, here they've done again. They've murdered another poor child. Well, that's not exactly what happened. Uh, and that's the reason why the mayor and the police chief released the body cam footage immediately. Right. Like, mm, not so fast. Here's the body cam footage. Now, they have, you know, put the officer under leave, et cetera. They always they're, do that. They're, they're investigating this thing. But the point is, is that you had this situation blow up. You come to find out that the girl, first of all, was in the neighborhood because she is a foster child and she this was she was at a foster family's home now you're starting to hear conflicting stories as to whether or not she attacked those girls or if those girls come came to attack her for some slight of whatever purpose we we won't necessarily know that full well but the one thing we do know without a shadow of a doubt is that that uh, comments by a defense attorney who is um known for and i won't use the word notorious but i should 
uh, <laughs> is notorious for demagoguing these type of situations. A guy by the name of Benjamin Crump. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've heard of him. Basically said that the cops had shot an unarmed child. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but your comments don't bear any resemblance to what the reality is because the reality is right there live. I mean, you see the cop get out of the car. You know, the body cam footage shows everything. See what they tried to do. But then now you've got the national news media. Well, why didn't the cop use pepper spray? Chuck, have you seen the video? Uh, Yeah, I have. If if the cop would have tried to walk up to her to spray her with pepper spray, two things would have happened. Number one, the other girl would have been stabbed. And number two, he'd have been spraying her in the back because yeah. she was she was completely had her back to him while she was intent on harming yeah. the other person. Now, a police officer can open fire on a suspect for two good reasons. Number one, that their life has been threatened or attacked. And number two, to preserve the life of a third party. And by the way, that's the same reason you can use a gun in a uh, in a uh, concealed carry. Yep. Um, you are allowed to protect the life of another party. Yep. Now... If the, even if there had been a fight here, uh, instituted by someone else, okay, maybe she yeah. uh, you can you can try to claim she was operating in in self defense. Uh-huh. But at the point that the cops show up and say, "Okay, everybody stand down," you're you now have a duty to retreat. That well, you do, you do, and in fact, to obey a lawful order. I, I hate that word, by the way. I get it. Uh, that phrase. Uh, but to obey a lawful order from a cop. What's a lawful order? Well, it's a, it's a law. It's a an order that complies with the law. Sometimes cops will give an illegal order and say, you refuse to uh, yield to a lawful order. Well, just because you gave it doesn't make it lawful. But in this case, it would, because the cops are there to handle that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they would have sorted it out. Some people would have gotten tickets or uh, maybe hauled down to juvenile hall or whatever. But instead, someone is got murder on their mind, and they're going to get the job done. One way or the other. Cops or not. Now, okay, if the young lady was defending herself because the other two attacked her, then that's, you know, we'll have to find that out and figure out what happened. But all you're hearing from right now is people who are third parties throwing in what they believed happened, including this attorney who basically said, oh, she was unarmed. Well, wrong. She wasn't unarmed. Two, she was the one aggressing against the other person. There wasn't any indication that the other ones were aggressing against her, but that may change between now and the time this airs. One of the things, though, that did happen is after the shooting was over with, of course, you had a number of people gather to protest of you course, know, this yeah. thing with with some members of the crowd shouting, "You shoot us, we shoot you." Talking to the cop, to the police. Chuck, I'm sorry, but a police officer doesn't doesn't put on a badge and wear the uniform to just be a target for anybody who feels like taking a shot at them. They're going to shoot back, folks. So before you go popping your mouth off about how you're going to shoot somebody. Maybe you should think about how well, a bullet feels because stri- you're going to get it too. Probably strictly speaking, that is a form of assault. In fact, it is, legal, it, legally, yes. it's assault. It's assault. It's yeah, not right. assault. Is a is issuing a credible threat yep. of violence. A battery is actually performing said violence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that is assault. He could he could have a why escalate by arresting somebody at that point? Um, that probably would have uh, escalated the situation. So I understand the cops' restraint. Yep. Um, but uh, look, folks, if if you think that the cops, uh, the people that are angry because the cops have overstepped their bounds from a, a lot, hey. I agree with you. Do mm-hmm. I think Derek yeah. Chauvin should have been a cop? No, he should have no. been removed. Why was he still a cop? Well, who protected him? His union. His union protected him. Yep. Um, the fact is that his uh, th- there is a little bit of fr- little bit. There's a, a strong fraternal bond. Even if you don't like somebody who's a fellow cop, he's still a fellow cop. There's mm, a little true. little bit too much of that. Um, uh, this is, it goes back to, check last week's show, Christian worldview. What would a Christian say when he knows someone is doing something wrong or has the wrong attitude, and yet he's uh, strongly bound through a fraternal organization or, you know, a form of brotherhood? Yep. What are you supposed to do? Well, <clears> you, <throat> you weigh it. You weigh it out in the balance, and the fact is the balance should come out on the side of uh, you work to get that person out yep. of the job. But that doesn't happen. That's uh, true. It happens sometimes, but what happens to the guys? Oh, okay. Think about it in these terms. A group that we know people that are a member of, and we know it to be a fine organization, Oath Keepers. Oh, well, they've been, they've been demonized. They've been demonized completely. What are the Oath Keepers? They're the guys who actually believe in the oath that they've taken to uphold the law and to protect the rights of the citizens. Right. And they've been demonized uh, as they're the people who were at the, the Capitol building in the in- insurrection, which, oh, which didn't happen. Was there, you know, there was a protest. Did it go too far? Oh, yeah, it did. When you break into the Capitol. But when you're invited in, uh, when they open the gates and said, come on in, and you go in, there's always going to be an idiot who does something stupid like carry around the speaker's podium and that kind of stuff. Uh, well, yeah, isn't that the Dress up with a buffalo head and, uh, you know, uh, do stupid stuff. Yep. There are people that are going to do that, Barry. We've run into them. We've uh, st- stood there and go, stop, don't do this. We, I don't want to be part of this. And we've actually been able to talk some sense into some of them. Um and uh, um, it's a frightening situation, though, to, to deal with these guys because they get their blood up. It's like I have a little terrier dog. And for the most part, he's obedient. He's a good boy. He comes when he's called, for, mostly. Mm-hmm. But if he catches sight of a squirrel or a raccoon, you can scream all day long. <laughs> he no longer is a, you know, I don't want to call a dog ra- a rational being, but he has gone from thinking... In terms of being obedient, yep, instinct has now taken over. That's right. He's after that animal, period, and you and you can't get him off. That's the kind of thing you're dealing with. People get their blood up, they get excited, they get worked up. Yep. And some people and cannot some- be made to think rationally again until after uh, th- something has happened. That's true. It's sad. It's sad, but it's true. Now, one of the things that uh, you know, I, I have 
family members who are in law enforcement. Yeah. Both active and retired. And when I ask them, they all say the same thing. Oh, yeah, every every cop should have to take a psychological evaluation at least every other year for for their fitness on the force because because some guys get get a badge and a gun and they just lose they lose track of the fact that they're there to protect and serve not to bully and push around they become a different person right and it isn't just and it isn't a, so much more white cops versus black cops versus asian cops versus you know latino hispanic cops it's all the same it depends on your psychology and how you feel what your position is if the badge and the gun is supposed to make you feel good about yourself and feel big, then you've, you've got a problem. If you put the badge and the gun on because you have a, a desire or drive to serve other people and to help people and protect people and give back to your community, well, you're probably a pretty good candidate for law enforcement. But if you go into situations like whether it was the, the situation with the show, now again, different different focuses on law enforcement. Derek right. Chauvin obviously should have been given psychological profiles and like you said it should have been off the force a long time ago because this isn't the first time he's been no, involved gosh. in officer involved violence. This other officer who did this who did this shooting yesterday here in Columbus maybe not so much. Maybe he just saw that the situation was out of control and needed to end the threat as quickly as possible. When the knife in the picture, and the knife is in with the arm cocked back behind the back. And the other girl up against a vehicle up against where the she vehicle can't get away. Where she's cornered. This is very clear. She was going to drive that knife as far in as it would go. Yeah, it did not look like she was using the knife to like hold off the other girl to defend herself no. from being harmed. It looked like very much in that video that she was the aggressor. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sorry, but sometimes in the instance of trying to save lives, you have to make some split-second decisions when you carry the badge. I'm not going to say one way or the other. If it come to find out that the cop you know, went out there and, and you know, intentionally just took a shot at somebody because he felt like it, then that's a different story, and the cop should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Or if he says something stupid like, "Well, I got my excuse, and I got my kill." Yeah, in for it, that. yeah, that's yeah. Uh, if, that's yeah. a kind of a rare situation. Now, for instance, think yep. about this: this shooting that happened with the the person who the the female cop who thought she was pulling her taser and pulled her pistol. Uh huh. Um, in the heat of the moment, when someone is trying to escape you, and you you know they've got a violent, and it's for a, a violent felony warrant and and you've got them cornered and they they are trying to escape from you yep you reach back you you know in the heat of the moment could that have happened yes it could have yep uh, especially if you mount your taser and your pistol a little too close together mm-hmm. um because that's one of those things where muscle memory takes over you can yes um, you're in a you're in a situation that's a, a I mean adrenaline's pumping your mind is going what am I going to have to do here let's see if we can keep it uh, contained and suddenly you've got your pistol out and you don't realize it you, and you pull the trigger I I'm not defending that that cop necessarily but I I think the story is entirely plausible I think it's plausible but I'm guessing it probably won't hold up in the in the long term of it could be you know. Now, the other side of the coin, and, and this was filled in for me the other day, was 
that police agency was also dealing with a number of uh, frontline officers who have left the force because of all of the unrest in in Minnesota and all of the yeah. we defund the police garbage, and that this female police officer may have not had, had basically, as they call it, right, ridden the desk for most of her twenty plus year career. Oh yeah, so they got to turn them out into the field because there aren't any. Because there aren't there aren't enough out in the field. If that is part of the case, then when you put somebody like that who hasn't, who the only time they ever get any kind of interaction is on the training course, where you're basically firing at paper targets and you know it's yeah. a controlled circumstance, and then you're out in a live fire situation. Yeah, there very well may have been confusion and may have been a situation where. You know, she grabbed. She grabbed and thought she had one thing, and she had another. But my guess is that as this unfolds, that probably isn't going to hold up as a adequate defense in the environment in which it's in. Oh yeah, because it's it's Brooklyn Park in, in Minnesota, Minnesota, which yes. is a suburban Minneapolis. Yep. Um. Yeah, there, there, there are all kinds of you know, uh, cops have to get into situations where they have to make last minute decisions yep um the uh and again as i've said i think chauvin should not have been on the force this woman who shot the guy uh, you know the did this shooting i don't know if she should have been on the force or not um it's hard it's hard it's hard to play armchair quarterback i mean it's it's easy to do but when you get into the nitty-gritty there's tons of stuff we don't know, and we're never going to find out, except maybe 10 or 15 years down the road, when somebody comes out and writes a book and says, yeah, this this uh, that was, this was part of the story was suppressed. Here's right. what happened. Yeah, th- this, this exculpatory evidence was buried and hidden in a file. Yeah, whatever it might be, you're right. We probably won't know. And, and that's a sad part about how we, our media has devolved from being a, an organ to give you the news to a um, entity that wants to create the news instead of sharing news with you and doing it in an unbiased fashion so that you can make up your own mind as to things, the media is now trying to paint the narratives and the pictures to lead you in a particular direction in order to yeah. advance a narrative that they want to advance. Well, think about this. Uh, I can, I can, it's not new in that, uh, I used to watch the, the McLaughlin group. Do you remember that? Oh, I, yeah, oh, absolutely. I love that uh, show. Um, Morton Kondracki and uh, uh, Jack Germond and... Um, uh, Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan. And, yeah. And uh, uh, what, what, there was another guy. Um, but the, and, and, of course, uh, Eleanor Clift and, yes. and uh, John McLaughlin, who was a great host. I always thought he was a wonderful host. Um, it was a funny show, and, and but they talked about serious issues. And uh, uh, Jack Germont, I can still remember, they were talking about Ross Perot. Remember Ross Perot, 1992, ran for president? Yep. Um, uh, on the, uh, what was the name of that, that party? The Reform the, Party. The Reform Party. Reform Party. Uh, and what he, he couldn't get any press. So what did he do? He went out and held his own events, and he, and he, and he bought press time. He bought advertisements, and he yep. bought th- things where people would interview him. Uh, and he used his own money, and he had lots and lots and lots of money because he was uh, uh, a multi-billionaire. Well, he, he was the guy who did all the electronic stuff for GM. Yeah. He, he had sold his company to GM for billions of dollars, so he had a lot of money. And I can still remember Jack Germond, who was an ultra-liberal, 
uh, talking about how we're the filters. We're right. the media filters. Yep. And you are bypassing the filters. So in other words, you're hearing the message raw. Right. We can't have that. You need us to tell you really what to think That's about. That's right. Hey, now, he didn't say that, but that was the implication. Yep. When you say, I'm a filter, what you're saying is, you don't need to hear this other stuff. That's, I, I know what's best for you. You don't. You're you, not you, smart enough to right. make you're the decision. You're not smart enough. Yeah. I, I will do that for you. Now, yeah. do Barry and I sit here and say, uh, you know, this is the way we think it is? Yeah. But you know what? That doesn't stop you from going and finding out for yourself. I would never say, never look anyplace else. Never, ever. Yeah, there's no need to. Because, A, it's an absurdity on its face. No, go, please go out and find your own stuff. Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, I and I, you know, I've done this just as much as anybody, but... You, you have a tendency to fall into what I call a tunnel, whereas Easily. you o- you only look at the things that you, that you agree with or that agree with what you think things ought to be, which is the reason why liberals only watch CNN, etc. They only listen PBS. to P- PBS. They only listen to talkers like Rachel Maddow and that right. kind of thing. Um, and conservatives do the same thing. They only watch Fox News, or they only listen to Rush Limbaugh, or they only listen to you know Tucker Carlson. They only fo- they f- they filter everything that they hear through one lens, one lens, or through one filter. Now, I try not. I, I find myself doing it, but as soon as I realize I'm doing it, I stop and I start. I start going out. Like I've mentioned this. I think I've said this before on this program. I do a thing. It's called. Paul Earls, P O L U R L S. Okay, it's a pol- it's a political website aggregator. Yeah, the mother so, of news aggregators the, is the, what the, they call the, themselves. The yeah. mother of news aggregators. Now, and you can pick how you want to take your news. You can pick red if you want all conservative sites. You can pick blue if you want all liberal sites, or you can pick purple and you get kind of a mix of everything. Now, me, I do the whole sweep. I have all three of them sitting in front of me, and so I find an article and I'll read it in all three different flavors, so to speak. You know, I'll read it from the liberal perspective, I'll read it from the conservative perspective, and I'll read it from the supposedly moderate perspective, which turns depend- out to be liberal. Well, depending usually. upon who you're talking to, if you if you're coming from a libertarian standpoint, oftentimes it turns out to be conservative on economics and liberal on social. If you're coming from a more moderate, it tends to be liberal on both. But again, you know, you have a situation where if you really want to find out, what do they say? You know, the scripture says that when someone comes to you and tells you a tale, it's it's believable. But until you know, the first one, who, the, the first one who testifies, testifies seems right. The, seems right. The, the, yeah. the, until another comes along and questions it. And questions it. That's right. And so until you hear both sides, or as I say, there's more than two sides to every story. There's always pieces that are left out. Pieces that one type, one bias emphasizes and de-emphasizes, and and the the other side de-emphasizes and emphasizes, depending upon their slant. And what you have to do is you have to kind of read across the slants. You know, it's like reading a defense in football. 
Sometimes you have to basically say, okay, I see what the, what formation they're in, but there are two other things they could be doing at the same time. So I have to basically make a decision and read across the slant and figure out what actually is happening. Um, good quarterbacks do that, and that's the reason why they win MVP awards. And bad quarterbacks retire early from the NFL because right. they get sacked too many times and they get <laughs> concussions. But that's the whole point with with when you're when you're getting news. Don't just lock yourself into one, okay? Don't just lock yourself into reading, you know, whatever your local daily newspaper is. Because, again, your local daily newspaper has their own slant because they want to sell advertising. And so if they can do things that, you know, pump up the community or pump up something else, um, you you are going to have a situation where you are not going to get an accurate view of things. You really need to have it where you are looking across the platforms, find as many different sources for the same type of news as you can, and then kind of fill in the blanks. It's so interesting because just like with this situation where we're talking about in Columbus, me, I, okay, when it happened, I started seeing it in the Columbus Dispatch and then on the TV news. And then you saw it like Fox News had a piece on it. And then, you know, Breitbart, right. we look at a lot, had a piece on it. Funny thing how then you go to CNN and their spin's a little different. And that's when you start filling in the blanks like, oh, well, they missed it. The girl was 16, not 15. She was in foster care and she was at a foster family home. We're not sure yet whether it was on their on the property of the foster family or out in the public street or on somebody else's property, which is also going to determine some of the response of the, of the police as well because you got some people now saying well she was defending herself in her on her own property so therefore they were wrong in shooting her and it's like it's not necessarily clear cut to start with right. and even if it is clear cut that a might not equal b but you have to read into it because then if you just read it from say if you just read it from the cnn or the dispatch viewpoint you're going to get one angle if you just read it from the Breitbart Fox News aspect, you're only going to get right. one, you you may only get one angle. You have to look at it from a number of different aspects. That's with any kind of news. Now, you know, and a lot of the things we hear just like and I love to reiterate this. It isn't the things that you know that are the problem. That's right. It isn't the things that you don't know that are the problem. It's the things that you know that just aren't so. That's the problem. I hat tip to our buddy Mike Peruca on that. That's the whole thing. If we only listen to one news source, you may think you know something, but you just don't know. Because it may not be true, it may not be accurate, and it may be completely biased in one direction. And you may not see that because a lot of times the average people approach grabbing the local newspaper or flipping on the TV to watch the local news as unbiased news sources. They're not. No, not even close. Not even close. Well, and I honestly, just... they haven't been for a long time. It's just that now the mainstream, what we call the mainstream media, the lamestream media, as some call it, have realized a calling to create the narrative, not report the narratives. Right, and that's Jack Germans' um, "We're the Filters" carried to its logical absurdity. Yes, it is. Um, you've gone out to the point where um, it, it no longer makes any sense. Uh, the news media has stopped reporting. And they done, they haven't done it correctly for you. Think about uh, uh, um, Walter Cronkite in 1969, standing there and talking about how we had lost the Tet Offensive. Yeah. 
ask people who were there and read some of the narratives that have come out since who lost the Tet Offensive? The North Vietnamese did. They were down to nothing. If we had turned on the heat, the war was over. They had nothing left. They shot their bolt. But the whole point of the uh, the whole point of the mess was not to win that war. That was not a war we were trying to win. We were trying to quote unquote hold the line against communism. Yep. Which means we weren't interested in conquering the North. We were interested in making them go back behind their borders and stay there. Ignoring the fact that the Viet Cong, not the North Vietnamese Army, the Viet Cong, were local rebels. They were local communists. And, um, yeah, did they have the support of Russia and China and the North Vietnamese? You bet they did. Yep. But the fact is, uh, we did nothing to win the hearts and minds of the Vietnamese. Right. Um, we we did at to some extent but the fact is that was that we weren't trying to win that war it wasn't a winnable war it was a police action and it was a dumb one in the same way that uh, we weren't really trying to win the war in Afghanistan or in Iraq it mm-hmm. wasn't about winning the war now did Schwarzkopf go in and win the war yeah but what happened at the end did we take out did we did we finish the job no 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 we didn't we we said okay that's enough. You learned your lesson. Uh, generally speaking, that's not the way. It wasn't even a negotiated settlement. We backed off. That that's the bottom line. Yep. Uh, and how did the how did the news media report it? Well, if you'll remember, <laughs> Schwarzkopf's famous uh, um, comeback when he's talking about. Uh, Dropping the bomb, I remember dropping the smart bomb on the bridge, and there was a car on it. Uh-huh. And Schwarzkopf said, you're about to see the luckiest man in Iraq. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Uh, okay. Really. I, and I, so I, I, that's not here, here ringing goes any bells. A, here goes a car over the bridge. Uh-huh. Here comes the bomb, and you see it go down, 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 and the bridge is halved. Yeah. And the guy just gets past the, the complete explosion of the bridge, and the thing's gone. Yeah. So he'd called him the lucky. And a female reporter got, what makes you think necessarily that that was a man? <laughs> well, because in Iraq, they don't let women have driver's licenses. Yeah, Maybe well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know that much. I, I think they did. And I think they were allowed to drive. Oh, I'm sure they probably I, look, were. It's but ma- yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like, yeah. It's a synecdoche, you know. We, yeah. yeah uh, uh, the word man represents men and women. Yep, luckiest man. He could, you could have said the luckiest woman in Iraq, and then what would you've gotten out of that? What makes you think it was a man? Well, how about the, the how point. about the luckiest person? Yeah, in Iraq. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, well, what, what makes you think it wasn't a, a farm animal that was driving that truck? Like, okay, yeah, it's yeah, like, that gets that gets a little insane. So. And you know, all, uh, that is the kind of thing that we're that we notice in reporting. It's like just give us the fact and take a laugh when you're given one. The guy didn't die, yep. or the person didn't die, yep. but the job got done. Okay, you, you can't say that for the rest of the Iraqi army when they were withdrawing from Kuwait, because I still remember those pictures. That was gruesome. Oh, the tanks? People had stolen cars, yeah. everything. All the soldiers 
trying to yeah. leave Kuwait, get out of there because the Americans were there and they weren't taking any uh, any nonsense from anybody. And they're fleeing and they're being blown up by A-10s and, and tanks and, and artillery and the, the miles and miles and miles of nothing but burning vehicles with bodies in them that you can see. It was gruesome. Now, they love that kind of stuff because, well, if it bleeds, it, it leads. It leads. Yeah, that's the old saying in the in the media. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And that's actually not a good thing because the media has kind of taken that and they try to create something bleeding out of something that shouldn't be. But Walter Cronkite and these other reporters were trying to create a narrative that they could control. Mm-hmm. That's not your job. Now, if something bad is going on and you think so, let us know. Absolutely. But if you think it's bad and nobody else does, you might want to rethink your position. At least go back and reexamine it. I've been in that situation where everybody says, no, you, you're you're misinterpreting this. And I've gone back and reevaluated and say, yeah, hey, you're right. I didn't have all the information. So I'm changing my tune. You and I talked about that with the uh, uh, South Dakota governor, Christy yeah. Noam. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in disagreement that she was wrong. Well, I, now I'm in full agreement that she was wrong. Um, I think there's a woman who basically could have written her own ticket and really blew it. Why? She Why did, did she blow she, it? She wrote her ticket back to the back to the back end yeah, of, exactly. of, of the pack because and, nobody nobody's going to nobody's going to buy her excuse for vetoing and kicking back a bill to protect women and girls from having cross-dressing guys beat them in sports and you know what the the, the real bottom line was why'd she do that pressure she, from corporate entities she didn't want to pay the price with the ncaa CAA pulling events from the state from the state and basically having the state schools um disenfranchised saying but you can't yeah. compete right yeah you're you you could you will not be able to uh, compete in ncaa meets exactly in, you know if you're in this if you are in that state they're on the bubble it's, already it's, here in ohio they're doing the same thing yeah okay they're exactly. already they're already making the noises here in ohio about our bill so yeah. Well, okay, go ahead. You know what you do in that case? You open one called the South Dakota Invitational. Well, absolutely. And you can do it with anything. Come on in. We'll we'll do basketball. We'll do a football Invitational. We'll do an Invitational. Uh, it's not NCAA uh, accredited. So what? That's how you bust these things. Yeah. You start having them. You do your work and make them successful. And organizations like the NCAA come out and say, you know, maybe we were wrong-headed on this. Well, you know, you have a, a similar thing. I, a friend of mine posted something on Facebook because there's like a multi-state invitational for like junior baseball for the kids. Yeah. Like Cooperstown does something. Well, now they basically said that if you file, like if your team files a registration to play in this tournament, all of the children and the staff on the team has to show a valid vaccination oh it's a passport. COVID vaccination got to show your passport or you lose your you lose your fees and you don't get to participate and it's like wait a minute these are kids under 12 years old they're exempted from taking it to start with right so well we're working on some legislation here in ohio to prevent that from happening too both at the government and at the private level so no passports no backdoor passports None of that garbage, because frankly, when you hear Mike DeWine almost daily, well, if we just all get vaccinated, we can end this, all this stuff. No, Mike, 
when you when we step you out as governor, we'll end all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Or hopefully sooner than that, but we'll see. Um. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're like running out of time. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to go next. Our probably next program, we're going to talk more about the legislation that's that's being developed right. right now because there's an awful lot we need to talk about about that because we're starting to reach a point where it's time for our legislators to fish or cut bait, as they say in 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 my part of the country. And so I'm hoping that they're ready to fish. So, yeah. And that being said, you you, you know, uh, um, uh, we've done a couple of these worldview shows, and I think we need to do more of these because you can't just talk about uh, events True. if if you don't have the vision to understand what the events mean. And that's what we're trying to in, uh, instill in you. Um, you know, we're using biblical passages to try to educate you. You know, how to develop a Christian worldview filter. Uh, that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And we ask that you join us again next week for another Principles and Policies. <laughs>